Let me say welcome. I'm glad that you're here this evening. You know, the portrait that's often painted of the night that Jesus was born is one that is, is peaceful, right? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is just right. No, I'm sorry, it's, it's bright, right? I know what it is. I know what it is. But isn't that what we often think of when we think about Christmas Eve is just having everything in its place? We just want to have the, the family traditions continued, right? We want to make sure we get to the right spot, the right seat at Christmas Eve. We want to make sure that everything plays off to a certain schedule. And so we try and orchestrate as much of the experience as possible because we want everything to be perfect. But the truth of the matter is, the harder we work at making it just right, the more stressed we become, the more anxious we get. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a, a, an old curmudgeon, but it feels like the more I have been a part of the local church, I feel like everybody feels like Christmas is just like, it's like water. It's like nothing we can hold on to anymore because we're all so pulled in so many directions. We're distracted by so many things. And so when we talk about peace, it's almost like we're talking about oxygen. It's rare. It's hard to find. Without it, we begin to struggle. And so we've been in this series called Prepare Him Room. Because the reality is that we should be preparing room in our life for Jesus through love, through hope, through joy, and through peace. Now, it's interesting. Peace is what we should all long for, isn't it? It's what humanity longs for. I mean, I know if I was, uh, let's say I was on a beauty contest, right? Uh, and I was asked the question, what do I want more than anything else? I should say world peace, right? But world peace is so distant, it's so far off. But maybe we need peace at home, between a friend or a loved one. Maybe we need peace at work. Maybe someone else got a promotion or you got skipped in something that you really desired to be a part of. All of creation, Scripture says, longs for this peace. It cries out. For God to move. The prophets of old described a time that we would have peace that would come through Jesus. The night that Jesus is born, the announcement is actually about peace. I mean, isn't this the story? A young man and a young woman are, are given this news that they're going to bear a child. It's going to be God with us, God in the flesh. They begin to head on this journey where they're, they're riding into a community to, uh, to be a part of a census. There's going to be a counting of the people in their region. And so they take this journey together. And in the middle of riding through the night and heading into this town of Bethlehem, they stop to get somewhere to sleep. And there's no room for them in the inn. And Mary begins to have her child in an environment of no peace. But peace often doesn't come in the calm, does it? Peace comes after there's been some sort of trial or conflict, a difficulty. Peace has to be made because the only one that can keep peace is the one who holds peace in his hands. I mean, that's the interesting, uh, interesting point of the Christmas message is that the one who holds peace in his hands 
becomes vulnerable, a child, and ultimately is held in his mother's hands. Jesus is born into a world of conflict. People are pulled in all sorts of directions, all sorts of social classes, and and Jesus, God in the flesh, gets given to us in a point in time of history where his birth is going to usher in a way for him to ultimately give his life as the sacrifice for peace. While Jesus is being born, there are shepherds sitting on this hillside. They're doing what shepherds do. They're tending to their flock. I'm sure some of them are are beginning their watch. Some are going to sleep so that they can be up later in the night and they can uh, keep the enemies away from the sheep while others are standing uh, guard and trying to pay attention. And suddenly there's this There's this announcement. A group of heavenly hosts, angels, messengers from God, come and give this great announcement. It says this in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It just says, Glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth to those whom his, and peace, uh, and and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. It's this announcement. It's this announcement that this moment is for the glory of God. This is God's purpose and God's plan. But for earth, it is our reality. It's humanity's hope that we now stand in a moment of opportunity where God is to place peace as the possibility of everyone in humanity. That the distance between God and man has now been made a bridge through Jesus. But not only that we would find salvation in him, but as followers of Jesus, we would become ambassadors of peace. Well, the challenge with peace is this, though, isn't it? That many of us live in a posture of peacekeeping opposed to peacemaking. Like a baby that has fallen asleep in our house, we want to make sure that no door is slammed. That nobody raises their voice. Nobody changes anything because this is the one moment of peace, right? can't keep peace. We're not called to keep peace. We're called to make peace. And it shouldn't surprise us because Jesus later when he's teaching, he teaches to a large crowd and he says, you know what? Blessed are those, happy are those, content are those who are peacemakers because they are the children of God. Meaning this is their identity. This this is what our family does. This is who we are. As people who follow after Jesus, we are people who lead in peacemaking, bringing peace to others. One of the writers of the New Testament says in in Romans chapter 12, he talks about this, this new way of living that only comes through following after God and surrendering your life before Jesus. He says, this is your daily act of worship. This is gonna how you're gonna live your life, that we should live in love. And when we live in a sincere and authentic love before people, we begin to embrace people as they are and bring opportunity for reconciliation to happen. But the writer says this, verse 18, But as far as it be with you, be at peace with everyone. It's almost like he says, hey, let's be honest. We are all called to bring peace to the world that we're a part of, but not everyone is going to embrace it. Not everyone is going to respond towards reconciliation. Not everyone's going to desire restoration. But as it be for you, 
If you have surrendered your life before God, you have a relationship with Jesus, you've experienced the peace that came through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've accepted his forgiveness. You live this new life of Christ. As far as it is with you, you be a peacemaker. Just know that not everybody is is going to receive it. Just know not everybody is going to respond to it. But don't you dare. Don't you dare ignore the opportunity to bring peace to the world that you're a part of. Peace is not easy to establish. And friends, let's be honest. It's not your fault. It's everybody else's, right? If people would just do things the way we want them to do, if if people would just listen to what we, if people would just follow what, it would be so much better. No, I, I would imagine that we're probably a lot alike. That when things veer off a path in a direction that we would want, we become agitated. We become aggressors. Sometimes we wound people so that we can have our way. Some of it's from the woundedness of our past. Some of it is from uh, dynamics and relationships that have happened in our past. But all of it, all of it is something that we need to lay before God and be obedient towards with Jesus. Every wound, every wrong, every brokenness, Every relationship that's been pushed to the side, every relationship that's been overrun or, or ruined. We have a responsibility before God to say, God, what do you ask of me? God, because of the sacrifice that you have made on my behalf, that I would experience your love, that I would know your forgiveness. God, what do you require of me. This has been a journey that I've been on for a while in my time here at first. Last year at uh, Christmas Eve, I, I, did, I didn't get to do this. I didn't, I didn't get to preach, and it was really it was disappointing, but it was a gift of a sabbatical for me to pause and to relook at my life in a lot of different ways. And over the last year, there's been a lot of changes, but I I could not be more grateful for the eldership that have had an honest, accountable conversation, a challenge for me to grow and continue to become the man that God wants me to be, to be able to ask difficult questions and be stretched in different ways. And so 2019 has actually brought in a whole host of opportunities and and dreams and nuances, and, and the church seems to be just growing in different ways. That's all because of God and the leaders and the staff that have surrendered their lives to serve for God's glory here. And I'm fortunate to be a part of that. About six weeks ago, I had a, had a conversation with a friend because I have some broken relationships. I have a lot of broken relationships. And it's been something that has really bothered me because I, 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 I just don't know how to get back in front of it. I just don't know how to begin the conversation because, I'll be honest with you, there are some of the relationships are just to the point that it's sometimes it's just easier to move on and act like it didn't happen. Or maybe it's easier just to, just to keep trucking forward and just hoping that everything else will change. But in a conversation with my friend, he began to just challenge me about this. What does it look like to reconcile? And so I said, I don't, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Because 
I'd been praying about some stuff, and I just wasn't sure how I was going to address it. But he said, you know, I, I want to encourage you to begin to write pen to paper. I want you to begin to, to put it down and figure out about maybe a letter and some people that you would love to send a, just a letter to and put it in a Christmas card that just encourages the peace of Christ in this time of season. I didn't tell him before this, but that's what I had been praying about. So for the last six weeks, before my wife, before our elders, before some friends, I've just kind of said, you know what, there are some things that I can, I can change about my past. There are some relationships that, that I would like to correct. And I mailed the letters yesterday. And I know some people probably won't receive it well. Because my assumption is the wound on their end it's probably very much like the wound on my end. It's difficult to address. It's difficult to admit. But as we stand before God and humanity, we must recognize that we all bear the responsibility of bringing peace. And sometimes that's going to be a difficult conversation. And sometimes that's going to be owning something before someone else does or, or taking all of it or, or whatever it may be. But frankly, I'm tired of living in a world, a world where boys look at fathers who don't address their woundedness in relationships that polarize each other just to honor a vow rather than saying, God, how do we fix this? And maybe this is heavy. Maybe we brought all of our kids in and we should have done a pop-up story. But friends, can you imagine what it would look like if as followers of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was not just something that we say, thank you, Jesus, thank you for saving me, but it had a reality that every relationship, every commitment, every conversation, every person that we would come in contact with, that we would say, God, how am I bringing peace into their lives? Well, tonight, spouses would begin to look at each other and they'd begin to say, this isn't peace. What do we have to commit to to make peace? Parents would pull their children aside and they would say, I need to go first. Siblings would look at each other and begin to say, this isn't right. Friends would have conversations. People would do whatever it took so that as far as with them, peace could happen. My question is this for you tonight. Are you a peacekeeper or are you a peacemaker? What does God require of you? And what would you be willing to do to be a peacemaker. Let's move to our time of response. Every Sunday we stop to pause to talk about action steps that we should take at this point. How would we respond to what God has said? 
And it would be remiss of me not to talk for a moment to say there are probably some of us that are here for the sake of family or for the sake of friends and we have no relationship with God. And I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you tonight to ask, what would it, what would it look like for you to experience peace with God? And maybe you have questions. Maybe it's uh, something you've never really talked about. And we have a connection card in front of you. It's in the seat back in front of you. And you can fill that out. Write your question or whatever. Give us your information. As a church, we'll follow up with you. We'll, we'll continue this conversation and this journey. But for many of us in this room who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Christmas Eve is a great night to celebrate the Prince of Peace who on our behalf gave his life, died a bloody and graphic death on a cross so that the distance between God and man could be bridged. And then the wholeness that we would have in a relationship with God, we would begin to engage the relationships around us and make peace. In just a moment, we're going to begin to sing. And some of the people will begin to get up out of their seats. If you're new with us, this might be kind of weird. But we use this time to actually move because we think the movement partly makes this memorable. There are multiple stations around the room. And at the front, there are these benches. Some will come to pray for a moment. Many of us will go to the six tables around the room where there is bread and there is juice. And it reminds us that this is Jesus's body broken for us. He took the bread on the night that he was betrayed. He said, this is my body broken for you. He took the cup. He took the wine and said, this is my blood poured out for you. And it was a foreshadowing of his broken body and his shed blood that he became the sacrifice for all of humanity. It's an open invitation to anyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ to at your leisure come, eat the bread, and drink the juice, and put the cup in the container in the middle. But the last station that we talk about is our give and respond station. And as a church, we've been seeking God about how we might be ambassadors to be able to extend ministry into our community, whether it's to work with college-age ministry and to plant a campus or plant a church on campus in 2020? What's it look like to expand our foster and adoptive ministry resources into our community? What's it look like to continue to raise up a generation that would not only go to camps or conferences, but would be sent out in ministry and service? And what would we do as a church to help plant other churches so that other communities might experience a hope that only comes through Jesus. The challenge in that is that we are asking every household to pray about and consider what it looks like to give a gift to Jesus this year through the local church. There's an envelope in the seat back in front of you that you can use. Fill it out. Turn it in. And many of us like to use our phones. We have an app, a G-Y-V-E. It's the Give app. And you choose this location, First Christian Champagne, choose the Christmas offering, and determine what you'll give. But it was Jesus who said these words about giving presents. 
it is better to give than to receive. As a parent, I now get that. There's nothing like giving somebody something that gives them joy and hope and peace. As Christ followers, why would we make church or faith or our relationship with Jesus about us? Why wouldn't we surrender every area of our life to God so that the world might know his peace? I'm going to ask you to stand now. Aaron's going to begin to sing, and at your leisure, when you're ready, some will come to pray. Many will go to take communion. And many of us will give. After you respond at the stations, come back to your seats, stand, continue to sing, and we'll finish our night of worship in a time of candlelight. Let's respond.